0: The beauty about being a privateer is you can ride the bike that you want, set it up with the parts that you want, eat the food that you want, go to the races that you want to go to. That is a true calling to most riders and for a lot of pros that I've known who have been stuck on a bike that they felt was suboptimal, a godsend. But is it hurting you? Is tying yourself to a brand before you're even signed by that brand is it going to help you? Now There's something called a Tide House. Tide House was a pub or a, a bar that could only buy a specific kind of beer like Anheuser-Busch or Coors. They got massive discounts. They got all the perks of being a one one-stop distribution for a specific brand. Now, this in the past created a bunch of bars in America that only had two or three beers, which when you look in the in the history of the market of alcohol, Anheuser-Busch controlled 80%, almost 90% at one point of all beer sales in the United States. That's kind of gotten kicked out a little bit, but that's insane. So now we're living in this time period they call Bike 3.0, which is bicycle retailer has this golden age and this way of separating how the market's reacting. 1.0 was the days of massive manufacturing, and there's these big companies like Schwinn that just dominated everything. There wasn't much to say besides frame builders and Schwinn. 2.0 became what we understood as the bike shop, I, I guess the bike shop era, where all the different shops have these distributors and we get all these different bikes coming in we get a nice choice, a nice blend and there was no internet to interfere in that type of shopping so the bike shop was key and now we're in bike 3.0 which is bike shops are tying themselves down to one of the three bigs giant, specialized or trek and then everybody else is on the internet or scrambling around to get into any shop they can and then the internet is killing the shops which is forcing people to go to one of the three bigs because they're gonna get them with those loans meaning they have to pack their store full of a ton of bikes every year and be indebted to, to the bike company it's just how things are working right now it's their way to fight the internet so it's a pretty bleak outlook but just like the past you're getting really good stuff from smaller companies how does that affect you as a privateer now as a privateer you usually go to one of those shops when you're young you start learning start to work there or you hang out and start riding for a shop team now those shop teams are stuck with a brand that has any bike that would be an affordable race bike is now out of your price range. Or, you know, you're stuck racing one of the big three. They all have great bikes. also means that going outside of it can make you more unique. It can show that you're different. I know of a time when Kawasaki had... Their off road motorcycle team. Now, that team always was funded, they always had great racers. And if you tied yourself to a Cowie and rode a Cowie, they saw it. That being said, Cowies weren't always the best bike, so you had to suffer a little bit, but they noticed. Now, as a privateer, you can do that too. You can pick a certain product and own it. Say, You're going to go ride Specialized. Get on a Specialized, and that's all you're going to ride. Get on a demo, you're racing, riding, and living a demo. Then when it comes down to it, you know everything there is. Every quirk, every quality, every way you like to set it up, things to get around, little tricks. And when you're approaching a sponsor, you're going at it, you know everything about that bike, and you pitch them that. You pitch that sponsor that you have been loving their product forever and that you know it already. You love it, you could sell it for them. Because like I always say, it's what can you do for your sponsor. Tell you're some pro who they're all waiting in line. You don't mean anything to them yet. Now tying yourself to a bike, it's tricky. Sometimes the bikes maybe aren't the best. Sometimes... They're not going to be affordable. You got to just roll with the punches. If you don't like one year's frame, I mean, you're you're stuck with it. Parts do the same thing. Be a Shram or Shimano guy, or you can get One Up you know, bars or Renthal or however you want to do it. You're stuck with their stuff, but usually it's a little less. It's a little bit more variety in being able to run components than it is a bike or a frame, but then you get to know them, you get to love them, that's how the beauty works of it. If you're savvy, get outside the industry, get outside the industry in something that has a market within the industry, beer or hotel, something like that, you own it, you love it, you use them. You could sell that to them. And because you're already a fan, you already make for a good, sponsored rider. What do you do? Do you get tied to something? To know it? To love it? To be able to pitch it? Or do you stay free? Do you be able to ride what you want? Can you keep a clear and open palate to review things? Be able to tell the difference between bikes and setups. Those are hard decisions. If y'all want to get on a factory team, tying yourself to a brand might be the way to go. If you're out there for the love, stay free. The other day I was thinking, looping around on my, probably coming on my 18th mile of my ride. It was last five, last five miles of my ride you know those miles when things that never hurt start to hurt the edges of my toes started going into pain what is that? That's always the worst because you know that my cleats were probably just set up a hair off and my toes were just something was putting pressure on them and you'll never know that until the last five miles of a long ride you ever thought of a mental game when it comes into those those waning moments of your race or ride how many things go through your head how many times are you convincing yourself to keep on pedaling? How much pride rolls around in that noggin, knowing that you put in a good effort? I always find those last, those last miles, as the biggest test of your brain and your mental capacity, like physically you're hungry, you're hurting, everything that is going to hurt or has put you through pain, you now have already known it was coming, and it's here. And it's not those, I'm suffering off a hard effort moments in those last five miles. Those last five miles are survival, body is telling you to stop, And your brain is going through all sorts of hell. The back of your brain, the crocodile brain, just wants you to step off the bike, tell you why it's over, it's done. But that conscious side, the frontal lobe, is doing battle with it. What goes through your mind? What do you do at that point? Is there a craving at the end? Something you know you're gonna earn when you're done? Whether it's knowing you put in an epic ride or maybe a beer, a burrito. You tell yourself you're getting stronger that this effort was all for that. Is it the pride of coming home and knowing that everybody around you can't believe you did it? That you're above mere mortals for putting that kind of mileage in? Let's so all be honest with ourselves. Humility isn't why you're on a bike. You don't put yourself through the pain because there's no gratification at the end, there's no attaboy, there's nothing. And if you do, like, you're lying. It is way easier to sit on the couch than go through all that. Even just for fitness. But I know racers get fit to beat other people. Not just to throw down. Sometimes it's to beat a course. It's, It's not getting anything wrong. Throw out an epic... Five-day race and or a 120-mile five-path death ride, and it's you versus the course, but it's pride driving that. That's pain. You got to go back inside that brain and tell yourself, "We're doing this for a reason." So what is it? What is that reason that you're doing this? Be honest with yourself. And be honest with your social media. Be honest with what you talk about. It creates personality when you're looking for sponsors. It creates personality when you're when you're digging to to others. It's something that's relatable that not very many people talk about. It's always kind of tucked away behind sportsmanship. But I guarantee you, go up to a. a Someone you consider a rival. And the starting line. You know. What's up man? I'm out here to beat you right? All that's going through his head is. Yeah. I'm here to beat you too. Doesn't have to be angry. Doesn't have to be hateful. But in your head. You know. That that was something that's going to drive you. Those last five miles. So, what do you use in your head to push it right to the end? Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Navigating a Privateer Life. You guys can all get a hold of me at Nathan at com. I know our seasons are either starting in their cyclocross phase or... We're kind of winding down and, and starting to do our our base miles for next year. So, if you want to get on this podcast for next year, I want to hear your stories. Just email me, set up a phone call, something like that. I really want to. I want to. I want to be able to tell these stories. We all have them. So, get at me. I got some other stuff going on. Doing a uh, a YouTube video on those eight seconds and kind of digging deeper into the Laurent Fignon, Greg LeMond rivalry as well as writing a quick episode uh, on the story of Eugene Christophe, the myth of the man who lost the Tour de France because a kid was stoking a forge while he fixed his own bike forks. At a blacksmith shop. So incredible stuff. Alright, guys, as always, have fun out there. We'll see you next time.